Welcome to The Thriving Marriage, the podcast for those who want to get their spouse back in love with them and truly thrive. You'll learn why 95% of people don't save their marriage and the secret method no one else is talking about that will change everything for you. Are you ready? 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 Let's Let's turn turn tragedy tragedy to to triumph. triumph. Here are your hosts, international marriage experts, Mark Johnston and Heather Choate. Uh, welcome to the Thriving Marriage Podcast. My name is Mark Johnston. I have got Sergio with me today. I believe, <laughs> uh, I think the topic today is, uh, you know, is this question, like if you've been married for 20 or more years, this is how you save your relationship from divorce. So we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about like what is going on in these long-term relationships and how to take things back from like that, that edge where divorce is being considered with that long-term relationship. Um, before we get into that, we always, always share a client win of the week. This one I had, it was a bit of a, I'm going to paraphrase this one because we have um, someone who, who gave a whole big situation here. Um, but this is from an, an anonymous member from just shared in our group. She was saying, hey, um, She's sharing a win. He decided to not listen to me and he doesn't, he used to not want my help or input on certain subjects. And it's been taking a a huge amount of patience. Um, But I've been staying out of matters around his custody issues from his previous relationship. Uh, He's been going back and forth, but recently he's decided to um, really set some boundaries with the, the old partner to really um, put things on the line and to actually listen to my advice and put some boundaries in. He said he doesn't care if it's going to create a huge situation, but he's wanting to work things out. Um, so she goes on to say, hey, like, honest, this is this is the quote here. Honestly, I have this program, the coaching, the course, and the podcast to thank for all of this. Mark knows how heavily this weighed on our marriage problems, and I've been waiting for something like this so we can focus on our future together finally happening and i'm so grateful hopeful and excited so i know i paraphrased a bunch because there's like there's several paragraphs she must have been really excited to share about this and i actually think i know who this is just based on the situation well like here's the thing what was going on and um just from what she explained she went from the situation where her husband was back and forth was saying it's probably not going to work because there's all this there's all this big stressful situation with with custody and court battles and Here's the thing. Uh, a lot of that doesn't matter. And I and I'm, I say that not trying to be dismissive, but what I'm getting at is like, it could be stress about custody and it could be stress about kids and or it could be complaints about not being there for them or complaining about lack of communication or whatever. Here we have this situation that was looking in her words was possibly going to go nuclear and we were able to turn it around. It took some it took some time. Um, and she was saying in here that she didn't believe that it was going to work at first, but we got it turned around. And he was now saying that he wants to work things out. So, you know, I'm I'm always glad to see things like this, but at the same time, <laughs> to a certain extent, it's not super surprising because you know, I, I saw this situation from the get-go and I was like, oh, you know, with especially with her husband going back and forth, I felt like this was a, a sure thing to be able to to fix anyway Sergio any thoughts on that before we 
dive into the topic? No, we're good. The main thought is that usually there is more hope than it feels like to you at the moment. Yeah. But yeah. No, Man, yeah. Get I'm excited. I agree. Yeah. Well, your, your comment there, we get people in all the time who are like, okay, yeah, I, I just want to do everything I can, even if this doesn't work. You know, I want to do everything I can to save the marriage. And I, I have to pull them back a little bit from that. I'm like, you know, don't worry about it. We, we got you covered. We don't even have to talk about like, if this doesn't work and you just want to do everything you can. Yeah. You're, you're right there. Exactly. We, <laughs> there's usually a lot more hope than people think. Exactly. So let's talk a bit today um, about what we tend to see compared what, to what other people tend to experience as they try to fix their marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to I want to point out first what is the common advice, right, Mark? So what do you think is the most common advice that is like baseline advice, like the you know intermediate typical advice you hear in a TED talk, you hear counselors, therapists talk about books. What's the typical advice to quote unquote save your marriage? And we're talking about like long term relationships because that's the topic today. But you know, typical advice is going to be things like why don't you focus on yourself or why don't you they're going to use like stuff that should have been done like six months ago, a year ago, or even more. They're going to say, <laughs> get out on dates more, you know, try to focus on the relationship more, give, you know, it's going to be things like communication and boundaries and dates and I'm losing weight. I also see. Oh, I, I have, yeah. Like, oddly yeah, enough, I the, yeah, like I that's, that's falling under the category of like working on yourself. Like, Hey, get to the gym get happy, you know, focus on yourself for a bit. And yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, it's kind of gonna fly. So we have two categories of like common advice. One of them is work on yourself. Mm -hmm. The other one is what we call husband mode, right? Sure. So or wife mode, depending on. Or wife mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From more perspective. Right. But exactly. Right. Yeah. You have this husband or wife mode, and then you have the, the whole idea of working on yourself. So, Working on yourself is not going to be enough because of three reasons. We explain this all the time. A, just because you work on yourself, it doesn't mean it is the change she really wants. B, just because you change, it doesn't mean she's going to see the change. Mm -hmm. And then C, changing takes a lot of time. Changing yourself is going to take years potentially, right? Wanna, Most of you guys don't have that time. And I'm going to add one more onto that. Like, focusing on yourself yeah it's those three things but generally speaking when it's gotten to this crisis point it doesn't even really matter if you do everything right at that point like exactly so, am i right like we, yeah like 90 95 percent of the time we have people like focus on themselves and then they're like why isn't my wife or why is my husband coming back to me and it's it's not because there needed to be a focus on on self that wasn't it it at all you know, like we we go through our process here, and generally, yes, I, I want to. I'm going to admit, we do have, Sergio. Like we have some amount of working on yourself. It's it's not really quite the same thing. It's not like going to the gym, get out with friends, get happy, start meditating. It's not that kind of stuff. It's more like take care of your own problems. Yeah, but that's like the basics. It's like just yeah, five minutes. What it takes to allow somebody to just like you know, learn those things. But like the other part of this is, you know, what I'm talking about is like why that doesn't work. The other piece of this is 
you, you, the the other person, the, the the partner, and their lack of confidence in their ability to have any sort of positive impact on the relationship, and that doesn't that doesn't just change just because you worked on yourself. Yeah, let's put it in other words. It's easier to understand, right? Yeah, sure. Just because you work on yourself, uh, it doesn't mean that she's gonna see that change, right? Or just because you work on yourself, it doesn't mean that's gonna be enough. That's something you should have done many, many months or years ago. Doing it now is not gonna have that much of an impact, which, which kind of relates to the husband kind of mode advice, right? Like we get this, we get a lot of people who come to us after a year or months of trying to get better. They learn active listening. They're taking care of everything around the house. They lost weight. They talk to us and they seem like people who learn a lot and grow, grow a lot over the past few months. Okay. Coming back. What is the logical conclusion they jump to? Oh, I improved myself. I did all these things this book say. My spouse is not back. There is no hope. Or it's going to be harder than I thought. Exactly. Wrong. You could be sitting in the cockpit of a huge airplane for years and the plane is not turning on. Would you be like, oh, the plane is well broken? Or would you say, I'm not a pilot? <laughs> you would not blame the plane. You would be like, oh, I'm clearly not you know, enough to fix this, right? To make this fly. Same thing here. People are really entitled to the idea of self-diagnosis and self-medicating here because it's not like a physical issue, like a plane or like being a doctor, right? You can self-medicate a little if you have like an intermediate problem, right? Like you have an intermediate marriage problem, like an easy one, sure, self-treated. But past some point, it's no longer the big breakthrough you guys need to have. It's not that of, oh, I learned active listening. Is more the breakthrough of becoming humble enough to realize if I don't know what to do to fix this, maybe I don't know how to calculate hope correctly. Because most of you guys are calculating hope based on one and one thing only, basically. What your spouse is doing and what your spouse is saying. And that's the wrong way to look at it. Because every single person we work with is the top, what, 10, 15 divorce cases in America, right? The hardest of the hardest. Of course... By definition, when you're working with a hard case, with a negative case, most actions, most words, guess what? Are going to be negative. <laughs> so you're putting a, you know, you're kind of checking for negativity on a situation that we already know is negative. It makes no sense, right? That's where the whole alcoholic analogy we push a lot comes up, right? In which your spouse is what we call an emotional alcoholic. She's going through something. You don't observe the words of action of an alcoholic. You don't give the importance. Rather, you focus on what's the root cause, what's going on. And most of the time, you guys are not experienced enough to work out what is the root cause, right? What do we do with clients in their first week, Mark? Like the huge assessment we do, right? We can talk a bit about how that usually goes. So people... Yeah, can... well, usually in the first week, no, I'm going to be honest. Like the first week is, there's a lot of information gathering. But like one of the big things that I, I try to look for when I'm working with my clients, especially in the first couple of weeks, is I, I'm looking for the underlying narrative that's coming out in, in interactions. And what I mean by that is just kind of like to give the very basic explanation is your spouse, if they are pulling away, if they're thinking about divorce, somewhere in here, they've, they've worked up some sort of story or narrative in their mind. They say, my husband isn't doesn't love me there's no romance left in the relationship and it's impossible to to get this back and i i call it a story because it's not necessarily true it's just a perspective 
Uh, and so like my job in these first couple of weeks is to say, what is this story? What is the facts? And how are we then going to have some sort of counter to this? How are we going to build build up something that can really kind of fight against this narrative that things are impossible, that there is no hope and it can't get better? So, and this narrative is funny because right now, you guys listening, your spouse is imposing. If you are having an extreme case, of course, we're referring only to people with extreme cases, right? But if you're in an extreme case, your spouse is the one pushing her narrative stronger and more often than you're pushing yours. Yes. Because you're playing in defense mode, you're playing in husband mode, being nice, trying to take care of everything, uh, supporting her financially and giving everything you can, losing weight, all these things, right? That's not enough to push your narrative. See what she's doing to push her narrative. She's fighting for a divorce. She's saying, I don't love you anymore. She's saying, I see you just as a friend. She's having an affair, right? These big moves convey things. The problem is that if you believe her story, you're losing. If you, if you get her to believe your story, you win. If she makes you believe there is no hope, which is what she wants because she is confused, she's suffering to the point of breaking the family apart, right? If she makes you believe that there is no hope, that's how you lose. Well, However, okay, and I, I guess <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge that a little bit, and I get that some people are gonna look at this as like win lose and and what, and I'm gonna say that on my end, I I don't think this is about a win or lose situation. Well, you lose your family is what I refer to. Yeah, you, I mean, so you lose are, hope. You, you start right to up. You are right in in that way, and that like if if you allow for your partner, your your husband or your wife's story that negative story to win out, yeah, you are gonna lose a lot of stuff here. And I'm just, I'm cautious to label it as like a win-lose sort of scenario because if we go into it like that, that's often a, a bit of a trap to have a lot more confrontation and a lot more tension. Now, I'm not gonna say like, and here's the thing, sometimes that's needed, sometimes we do need to challenge some of that story directly and sometimes we need to go about it in a little bit more of a roundabout way, but we do, there does need to be some sort of consistent communication and bigger moves like Sergio is referring to that really turn the, uh, like move the, the dial a little bit and move the dial more towards a positive, more healthy, exactly. more balanced story. Because what happens when somebody is stuck in this husband mode, this neutral mode for too long, is basically well, that it's a treadmill, right? Being neutral yeah. is not enough to stay in the same place. Well, I'm going to say even further, um, being in that husband mode or being in that wife mode, when you're interacting with someone who's so stuck in a negative narrative, what I frequently see is the the stance is I'm going to defend myself and I'm going to do all the nice things in order to show them that things are that exactly. is better. They're going to do things like say, you know what? No, I do love you. You're telling me I don't love you, but I do love you. Let me show you how much I love you. And that just doesn't do anything. No. Uh, it doesn't go anywhere. What, what do you think of like when we see client conversations and we see the spouse clearly checked out, talking about like, hey, I'm going to pick up the kids today. We're going to talk about divorce later or like, we're going to meet with a lawyer, whatever. Sure. And then you see the husband texting, okay, love you, heart emoji. <laughs> what do you like, think of those texts? It's just, it, it's a little bit ridiculous. And I, I don't mean to like put anyone down or anything, but it's it's like you were talking about before this 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 is the definition of like the husband mode it's here they are the spouse is talking about business or about kids and you're trying to like 
worm your way in here to yeah and like hey i love you still and it just it no. reeks, it reeks of desperation and yes of like this disconnect from reality that's what they should have done many years ago or many months ago and now they're trying to overcompensate and that's good that you're doing this now because when you get her back then it's going to help you to do those little things you're doing now right but right now you need to really understand she does not see you as a potential candidate of a husband, right? Even if you're living with her right now, she does not fully see you as a good candidate for a husband, right? If she's filing for a divorce, she's having an affair, even less of a candidate, right? Yeah. It's like if you met a random stranger in the street and they tell you they love them, you, they love you so much, right? You'll be confused. You'll be a little scared maybe even. It's the same thing. She's pushing for the story of, hey, we need to separate a lot, and if your counter to the story is, I will always love you, it's not going to fly. You're trying to break through the wall direct, directly. You're trying to do too much too quickly. But you need to go around the wall, right? And that's what we want to... Even further than that, it's, it's just, it's not even going to register. It's not that it's going too far too quickly. It is, but it's also just so disconnected from where the other person is at the moment if you if they say hey I'm, we're getting a divorce and you say i'm always going to fight for you how are they supposed to respond there exactly they, are they supposed to say you know what i was wrong i, I hear that you're going to fight for me forever i guess i was wrong it's it it does not address any of the concerns or problems or the the reasons why your partner is justifying leaving in the first place it just exactly, right? doesn't go anywhere. That's interesting. Um, but let's go keep going deeper down this kind of rabbit hole. So let's let's try to be a little bit more specific here, right? We cover the concept of husband mode, which is what most of you guys are doing, trying to be nice. And for most of you guys, I mean, that's a lot of effort. You guys think that you're putting like sweat, tears, everything into it, trying to fix this. What I have to tell to most people we talk to is. I know it feels like the world to you what you're doing, but it's the very minimum. <laughs> it's the basics. It's what you should have been doing a very long time ago. And now to fix the problem, it's not enough. You effectively have a dead marriage, right? Uh, not that dead marriage, you have like, let's put it back to the alcoholic analogy, right? Your spouse, you know, got into the situation in which she's an emotional alcoholic, right? Not a real alcoholic, some people mistake, but an actual, you know, it's like an analogy, right? An example. She is confused to the point of acting very strangely, right? Asking for a divorce and these things. If you, if your kids are alcoholics or they are dealing with drugs, being nicer to them, supporting them, all these things is good, but it's the bare minimum. They need treatment. <laughs> Past a certain point, they need some actual professional treatment, right? And that's where most get your spouse back advice is off. Because in extreme cases, not the average cases most people work with, but the extreme, extreme ones we deal with, it's not about getting your spouse back. She is there. It's about how do you show her that you are not the monster she made you up to be? And how do you show her that you've already become better and that she should become better too? I, you I don't just want your spouse back. You want her back yeah, and improved. I want to kind of show people some stuff here with, with this. Mm -hmm. I think we're kind of jumping a little bit all over the place because what you're talking about there really is 
it's key. And it's also at the same time, not necessarily where we start. So True. I'm gonna, just gonna pull this up on the screen. This is just kind of a, a broad- Really, it's a podcast, so <laughs> people what? are not gonna be able to see this. Well, I, I think some people, some people are, Facebook yeah, around. I'm going to have to explain with words. I, I think some people are going to be watching some of the video here. Yeah, true. But, you know, like what we have here is just like a broad overview of the, the first steps. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll describe it for those of you who are just listening. But, you know, what Sergio was talking about, it was starting to like pull your spouse back in. And that's like way over here in like the third or fourth phase of what we normally do. But essentially like what we're a lot of what we're talking about is um you know earlier Sergio was mentioning that we're expecting a lot of negative responses um if we look at the the chart here you know this is generally how I work with clients is you know we take some time to help plan out how we're going to communicate with the spouse how we're going to how we're going to take some action how we're going to demonstrate um that things are are better but this is just a planning phase uh, we usually always kind of kick things off with a like a, a more formal message, but we we are talking a lot about this right here, this resistance phase that we often see, and this is why I think a lot of people feel like there's no hope because what they end up doing is they try to engage in some solutions, they see some resistance from their spouse, and they conclude, oh well that that didn't work, nothing is working, I better back off, and over and over and over again, I, I, I see that as we carefully work through some of this resistance, as we like make sure that our, our actions and our communication as well, as we are looking at the delivery and making sure that the message goes through, that's being understood well, you know, and as we identify what kinds of resistance are showing up, we tend to see that that resistance dies down a little bit. And, you know, I, I generally track this very closely with clients. And so people what they they tend to do is they 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 skip these first steps. They don't really plan out like what they're trying to communicate, what they're trying to do with their spouse. They see the resistance and they give up, and then they skip right over here to like this pausing pause phase where they're saying, "Please put the divorce on hold. Please don't do this." And it's only we have to we have to set that up quite a bit in order to get there. And you, you were talking about here, Sergio, about like how we kind of start getting the spouse to come around or how we start helping them to start seeing things a little bit differently. And it's only really going on like <laughs> the third phase in and beyond is where that's happening. And so that's why I'm saying like, I wanted to kind of sum things up and kind of show people what's going on here. Like we certainly can get to these points here where we're going through these healing cycles and we're trying to um, actually now work with the spouse to put the relationship back together but we go through so much crap first to get there and i just think that so many people give up way too soon or they see this resistance right here and they say well it's not working and so i better give up and it's just exactly yeah exactly and it's not worth but yeah at the end of the day um and this is interesting. I, I see that you're you were trying to sum up things there. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, let's go through, through some common topics. Because at the end of the day, like this is a podcast, right? I feel like most people listening are not gonna be like fully paying attention. <laughs> so it's kind of hard for us to like focus on like a big training like we do with the workshops, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that most people listening just listen because they like to listen to you, right? 
uh, like to listen to me. They like to listen to like some of the conversations that we have. Um, if they want, if you guys want, we're gonna be doing a workshop soon, maybe this week or the next. If you guys are listening this pay to this, pay attention to your email. We're gonna be emailing out the invitations for the free workshop we're doing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. No, what, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and like, hey, we're gonna yeah. go over this a lot more in depth. And yeah. usually our, our workshops and whatnot. Yeah, because here's the thing I find interesting. And you do some you've been doing some calls recently too, right? But some of the assessments. But um when you explain something to somebody, especially people who are in distress situations, they either don't understand or misunderstand what you explain. Like when you ask them to explain it back to you, they understood something slightly different. Um so I see a lot of common misconceptions there. That's kind of what I'm trying to see if we can focus more on like small ideas that we can just easily convey even if people are distracted or at least so people don't get, I don't know, like the wrong um, understanding, the wrong idea, right? Well, yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying. Okay. So maybe we should give some examples here. I think that would be helpful here. So what I'm kind of thinking of, you know, just to kind of sum up, we've been talking about the whole topic here today is how do you actually go about saving your marriage? You know, especially in those long-term relationships, especially, you know, when going into husband mode or going into wife mode isn't really working out for you. Um, so I can recall a couple that I was working with. They they had been separated for a good year, year and a half when they started working with me. Well, actually, when just the wife started working with me. And she came came to me and she said, okay, hey, my husband has left. He might be having an affair. I'm not sure. He's telling me that he doesn't love me anymore. And I said, okay, hold on. Let's just, let's slow it down here for a bit. Like the, the big situation there is, you know, like when I finally got to talking with her, she thought it was because they had lost a good amount of their love over the many years together. But when I really actually got to talking with her, um, I found it was really something else. When I got to talking to her, it was much more about how her husband wasn't feeling heard, how he didn't feel like his opinion mattered, how when he uh, tried what to... What is the story of the husband? Like, how would you put it into like... Because when we usually phrase a story, it's usually like, I think that you are, right? Like, how would you phrase the story the husband had in, in his yeah, head? Her husband was saying basically my wife doesn't listen to me. Nothing that I say matters to her. She doesn't really care about me. It was these these very definitive sort of statements. And this is usually how we identify the, the story. Is these... Yeah, but that's not enough usually to like have an affair, right? Which is interesting. Well, in this case, it, here was this other woman who was listening to him and made it really easy for him to feel heard and to make him feel like he mattered. Now, that was kind of the big point is like he felt he didn't matter within the relationship, within the marriage. And this other person, now they hadn't actually started much of a physical affair, but this other person was making him feel like he mattered. And that's what, what, what was important there. So when we were able to take a look at this, we had we said, okay, this is not about losing love. Let's plan our messages out. Um, our big counter narrative or sometimes what we call a home message these ideas that we keep coming back to over and over again the big ideas that we wanted to communicate were things like your opinion matters to me it's important to me that you feel heard it's important do you say that directly do you just go and you text them hey 
I love you. Your opinion matters to me. Well, yes and no. <laughs> um, that's a that's a tricky thing because it would be really easy for us to say, okay, look, this is what your your husband wants to hear. Just go say it to them, and that's that's what people try. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. They're really like, you work can trust me so now. Well. I love you. I will never um, do it again. A lot of times when we're working through something like this counter narrative, um, I work very closely with the clients to say, where where is this story coming up? Where are the opportunities to demonstrate that your more positive story is true? So um, as an example with this couple, you know, he was making a decision to, you know, whether he wanted to renew his lease on this apartment that he got. And she was she was telling me, I'm just going to let him do it because he he's going to because he's going to tell me that I'm not supporting him if I don't. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on. You know, she was kind of like giving this flippant remark, like, let's just give up. Let's just do whatever. And I'll just give him whatever he wants. That way he'll know that I'm listening to him. And that, that was once again, here was this other mistake. That's a husband mode. Well, yeah, it's the giving everything mode. Yeah. Yeah, just I'll just give him whatever he wants, and then he'll be. It's happy. a way of giving up. It's a way of hopeful hopelessness sometimes. So yeah, and it, and it looks desperate to the other. Yeah, person. and it looks like there it's a behavior that's not sustainable. So I had her go and talk to him and basically lay it out like, "Hey, look, I have concerns about this. You know, I'd much and they were in a position where she could say, "I'd much rather us come together and." it's more important to me that you feel supported and heard. I would like to discuss this and I'd like to figure out a way that this works for both of us. So she was able to say that message directly within a certain context and it worked for her in that case. He was able to come and talk to her. He decided not to renew the lease, um, but he was still feeling heard, a very important message to him at that time. Um, so long story short, they ended up, um, he ended up joining in on the sessions not long after that. And uh, they're working out things just fine. I, I see no reason why things should go poorly. Last time I was talking to them, they were moving back in together. And here is the interesting point, right? So what do you think a normal person without an external perspective would have done, right? Your spouse seems to be moving far away. They're going to renew the lease. What's the default play what is the default move in people's brain without external perspective well they're going to either <laughs> freak out and like get really upset and say nothing's going to work here because they're renewing the lease that means they're pulling further away or they're going to get super upset and they're going to set boundaries they're going to say well you're renewing this lease don't talk to me again clearly you don't want me they're going to go to these extreme measures and they hear exactly. these buzzwords like, oh, you need to set boundaries. Oh, and they say, yeah. of course, that's what I have to do. And maybe it is, but, you know, are it's you doing it right the right way? Yeah. Are yeah, you doing it right? Is it actually going to get your partner back? Is it actually going to protect? There, there's so many things that are, are really complicated in these situations that, and I just see so many mistakes. But, but let's go back to the default. So what is the default response? Like somebody gets, you know, so your spouse is going to leave separate, is asking for separation. He's saying, hey, look, I'm going to get a lease on this new house in 30 days. I'm letting you know. What are the three or four reactions? So one of them you mentioned was being upset. 
what are the others? Just being upset and trying to set an extreme boundary. Yeah, they're going to give what up. With, uh, another one, with this, they're going to give up. Yeah. They're saying, well, they're, they're committing more to leaving me. I better, there's no hope here. No. So they they might just quietly quit. They might just quietly Yes, quit. which is the biggest issue, the quiet quitting, which is because you don't understand that your spouse is suffering more than you are to the point of making these crazy decisions. Again, your spouse, if you're dealing with an extreme spouse, it's an emotional alcoholic. They're going through something bad enough, midlife crisis, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and diagnosis. We don't know, right? They're going through something combined with the things you've done that is making them have a horrible story and it's effectively alcohol running through their body, right? So anything they do means nothing for hope. You don't look at what they do or say for hope. So they're getting a new lease. You don't use that to calculate your hope. Because if not, you're going to do mistake number two, which is quiet quitting, right? Yeah. And the third mistake is husband mode, right? Just being super neutral and supportive of something that you don't want to support. Oh, yeah. And I, I see that way too often. And they say, well, pay their lease. <laughs> if I just give in, then they'll be happy. And it's really, imagine this scenario. Like, let's say that you walked up and you slapped, you know, heaven forbid, you slap your, your wife in the face. Yeah. And then they are like, you know what? I must have done something wrong. Please forgive me. What can I do to, to make this work? It It's, it's just all. so, it seems such like an unhealthy way to react. It doesn't seem sustainable. It seems desperate. It seems, un, it's just unhealthy. And it's the same exactly. sort of thing in this sort of case here. Like if, if they say, hey, I'm pulling away from you. I want a divorce. And you're like, you know what? I'll give you whatever you want. Just please stay with me it's just let's put it back to the alcoholic analogy because that's a very good point so imagine like your daughter or your son right you get to their bedroom they're doing drugs they're doing alcohol right they you know slap you in the face they punch you right what do you do you quit you're would you quit be like oh it's over right there is no hope you say hey let me love you and let me just do whatever i can for you well no you wouldn't do that either if they're as you put it, doing drugs and abusing you, that you wouldn't do that either. And you exactly. also wouldn't just say, um, you know, you know what? I want nothing to do with you anymore. Get out of my house. Don't talk to me. Because that's going to end that relationship as well. And that's going to send them in a path that where they're not going to recover. Like these are all really common responses to say something like drug use and alcoholism. And it's also really common responses to this bid for divorce or separation. Exactly. And it's all coming from the mindset of people believing they're expert enough, they're knowledgeable enough, they have enough perspective to assess their own situation. No, you can't read the label from inside the bottle, right? So it all comes from you thinking that, oh, you know your spouse well enough, you know everything about marriage or you know more than enough to fix it. Some of you guys doubt that, so that's good. Most of you guys are humble about your understanding of how to fix this. But most of you guys are not humble about your understanding of calculative hope, which mm -hmm. means when your spouse does something, you feel very confident there is no hope because she did this. When from an expert perspective, the thing she did might not have that much of an impact. We see people having affairs, leaving their spouse, having separations, filing for divorce, people who are already separated and divorced. It doesn't mean that much. What matters is the root cause. What matters is the story and how do we fix it? And what matters is the story and also access, right? How much can you talk to her? How often can you see her? Those kind of things. But yeah. I've been looking at this 
these sort of crisis situations and relationships for around a decade now just focused on this by itself and even with that and say 18 years of being married even with all that i'm still feeling like uh, i'm still learning things <laughs> about how to handle this better and better and better and you know so I, I do find it interesting when people are like you know what i think i can handle this on my own um i think i can that, that's more rare what's more common is people thinking they can assess how much hope there is on their own that's the funny part which is hard and you know i i don't want to like insult people <laughs> in no, we're not insulting people <laughs> uh, like i don't want it to make it sound like i don't know i don't i, I don't know what, I, what i'm getting at here i'm on some level i'm like oh i better not like tell people that they're they're dumb and or something like in this sort of situation that's that's not what i'm trying to communicate but uh it's a all i'm saying is this is a really rough situation for most people to go through and I hear people trying to navigate it on their own and then try to figure out whether this is something that can be saved on their own. And it just doesn't make any sense for the people. If you, basically, if you don't know how to fix it, and you're, most people know that they don't know how to fix it, and that's good. We know that you know, you don't know, right? <laughs> but most people need to be a little bit more humble about, hey, if you don't know how to fix it, you also likely don't know how to assess it, which is a good thing. It means that your assessment of I feel hopeless is wrong. Yeah. We don't know if there's a lot of hope or a little hope, but you don't need to have a, I don't know if there is hope. You, need, you don't need to have a, you know, out of one to 10 scale of hope, maybe you're a three, maybe you're a four. That number means nothing. That is your feelings. That is not reality, right? And that's a good thing. Because if reality was a two or a three or a four, there is little. Reality is usually better than what you, what you guys tend to see or tend to believe because you are in the day to day, your emotions run high. You don't know how to analyze things. Of course, your assessment is going to be based on what your spouse does every day. What she does every day is usually more negative than positive, right? Or at worst, at best, neutral, right? Which we've discussed being neutral is not enough. But yeah. Anyways, any final ideas to kind of wrap it up uh, the podcast, Mark? No, I think we've kind of made the the main points. If, if we're just going to summarize things, it's you know with these long term relationships, please you know, don't get into the mindset that, you know, no matter what your husband or wife is saying, there's probably a lot more hope than you think there is, you know, two, don't go into husband mode or wife mode and just try to do all those things that you should have been doing years ago, or to try to just tell them that they need to work on it with you or that they need to talk to you. Also not going to work. You know, similarly, we don't want you to to go and beg or plead and be desperate about this either. Um, what we do want you to do is make sure that like you are talking to a professional, um, you know, if you don't come to us, please go to talk to someone who really specializes in this sort of thing. There's not a lot out there that specializes in these crisis situations because most people don't want to deal with it. Um, so please find someone who is knowledgeable and you know, make sure you're getting the help that you need. Good stuff. Very cool. Yep. But yeah, so that's about it, guys. Uh, we're going to be running some more trainings over the next week. Stay tuned for that. And yeah, let us know if you guys are liking this style of podcast here a bit more on the Facebook group. Let us know in the email if you're, you got our email about the podcast. Let us know if you're liking this more freestyle um, kind of podcast. Or if, you guys, if you guys want any particular topics, let us know. I think it would be good, Mark, if we went through some 
next time we went through some like questions and answers or we could go like to the Facebook group we have and yeah. like read some of the posts and use them as discussion topics. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. That's about it. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Thriving Marriage, your A to Z blueprint for not just surviving marriage, but thriving. Until next time, my friends, thrive on.